0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live.
1: OK, good morning. We've got a really interesting show coming up today. Uh, it's me, Atlanta Parden on The Breakfast Show on Teachers Talk Radio. Excellent. So good morning. Today, as I said, we do have an interesting show today. We're going to be talking about leaving um one career for teaching. And we're specifically going to be speaking to a guest who left her career in the civil service, specifically at the Department for Education, so incredibly relevant to go into primary teaching, a decision she made over the course of the first lockdown of the pandemic. So again, we're going to be having a discussion around why do we choose to leave Um, careers in the public sector to go into teaching. Uh, Perhaps if you've uh, done something similar, maybe you've also left the civil service or maybe you've left the private sector, so something like banking and you've decided actually I want to go and be a teacher. Okay so that's what we're going to be discussing today. Um, It is now half term for the majority of us, I know some people had their half term last week but I think it's uh, been a pretty tough tough half term for lots and lots of people. Everything I've seen on EDU Twitter has been saying, actually, this has been the toughest half term for many teachers' careers, not just early te- uh, career teachers, but experienced teachers with 30 years under the belt. So it's been a really interesting kind of half term, seeing how people are coping, seeing if we're expecting another lockdown anytime soon. But we've made it, we've made it to half term and it just, it feels so good. Um, So, I'm just going to give us the news uh, for this weekend.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
2: In an article published on the Universities UK website it has been highlighted that most teaching, learning, student support and extracurricular activities are now being held in person on many campuses. The article challenges the narrative about the student experience being primarily online and makes it clear that this is not something that University UK recognises. Universities UK state that for most students it will be a student experience much more like what universities were offering pre-pandemic. The article goes on to acknowledge that some elements of teaching and learning are still being delivered online, but that there is no one size fits all and that the online offer will differ from university to university. Half a million more disadvantaged children are to receive new laptops and tablets to provide access to education and support. The government has announced a £126 million funding boost to the Get Help with Technology programme. The funding boost will provide up to 10,000 new laptops and tablets to all children with a social worker and those leaving care, and children who have recently arrived from Afghanistan. The scheme will also provide additional devices to schools and colleges to support pupils who are not in lessons due to COVID-19. The Education Secretary, Nadim Zahawi, said... A £126 million pounds investment for those children who need the most will complement learning in schools and help drive our work to level up long-term outcomes for those in care or leaving care. In the Channel Islands, ITV News is reporting that school pupils and staff in Jersey are being urged to keep testing themselves for coronavirus during the October half-term. In a letter to Schools and Parents' Deputy Medical Officer of Health, Dr Ivan Muscat, says it is essential for islanders to remain vigilant following an increase in transmission rates across the British Isles. Dr Muscat says that twice weekly lateral flow testing and reporting of positive cases is even more vital during the holidays, as people are more likely to be travelling abroad and mixing with friends and family. More than 6,500 students and school staff have signed up to the testing scheme so far. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio weekend news.
1: Excellent, okay. So again, lots of interesting things to reflect on. Uh, the fact that we've got the COVID uh, rates going up and uh, that the Channel Islands are urging their population to keep testing in regards to schooling. So if you are out in the Channel Islands or if you, your school has urged you to keep testing over half term please let me know i think it's really interesting the kind of context i'm in um a few people going abroad um and people starting to get concerned about going abroad and worrying that actual their return will they have to self-isolate so again half term i was just saying one full thing it's finally come after all these kind of uh difficult weeks and lots and lots of people say it's been one of the hardest of their career however would it actually be a rest for many so let me know if you're planning on going abroad but actually actually quite worried i'm certainly going abroad i'm going off to germany but i am slightly worried that actually everything will change when i'm out there and even though i'm vaccinated um there's a bit of me that's thinking oh no what if i miss school for a couple of weeks afterwards but fingers crossed okay so again uh today we have fern water coming on as a guest and she will be talking about when she decided over the first lockdown to leave her career in the civil service, specifically the Department of Education, to go into primary school teaching. Um, and as I said, I think this is a really interesting discussion point for many, many people, because I come across a lot of people um, who do leave uh, other jobs in the public sector to come into teaching. But also, I meet plenty of teachers that do a few years, then they're gone. They've gone straight into the civil service, they've gone straight into banking and private sector, but they do not stay for too long. And I know again, on edge to have had this conversation surrounding Teach First, I've had it in the last couple of shows, about how do we encourage specifically Teach Firsters and even school direct people to actually stay in the profession and not want to jump ship over to the DfE to kind of formulate policy and have kind of a more of a desk job. But again, we'll be talking to Fern, who's actually done the opposite. She was in the DFE, had that kind of uh, stable desk job uh, and then decided, no, 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 I'm going to go into primary teaching. And it was a decision made over lockdown. And again, I think this is quite common. Lots and lots of people made those big decisions over lockdown. Um, I actually myself left um, a growing career in academia to go into teaching. Purely because I found myself getting so kind of bored with sitting down all day, doing all my thinking, but not applying it. So lots and lots of career changes. And there's been a long thread on the teacher talk radio Twitter as well, which I also discussed with her and see how she feels about it. But certainly lots and lots of people who've had kind of um, conversations on Twitter uh, last night and this morning about why they decided to go into teaching or actually why they decided to leave teaching. So again, in a few minutes, we're going to be speaking to Fern um, about why she decided to leave the DFE, come into teaching, what she enjoys, what she kind of misses and what she would do to encourage more people from perhaps her previous job or in the civil service in general to come into teaching, be it primary or secondary. I'm just going to go to the adverts now.
0: Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppy's Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com.
1: Excellent. Okay, so I'm going to ask Fern, if you're listening, could you please um, call in and join us to have this conversation? Um, Again, if you've just joined us, we're going to be talking about leaving careers such as um, the civil service to join teaching. So, Fern, if you could call in um, and it'd be really good just to let you into the show.
4: Ah, Friend, if you're listening, if you could just try and call in again,
1: if that's okay. Excellent. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hello, how are you?
5: Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. I've got an obligatory cold at the start of half term, so my voice is a bit scratchy.
1: Oh, oh, right, it's that typical kind of waiting to um, have that rest before you actually get the cold. I understand that.
5: Absolutely.
1: Great. Well, anyway, thank you for joining us today, Fern. Um, I've given you a bit of an introduction already about how you kind of left the civil service, specifically the DfE, to go into primary school teaching. I suppose my very, very first question is why? Why did you choose to do that and when? What kind of made you think, actually, I really want to go into teaching and leave the DfE?
5: Excellent. So when I left university, I studied sociology. So I really enjoyed my degree but it's not a degree that opens huge amounts of specific doors. So when I left, I was still in a quandary about what I wanted to do. So the first job that I took was as a teaching assistant in a primary school. Um, My aim, excuse me, at that point was to start teacher training. But as I was in the primary school, I realised that it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do at that point and I wanted to have a job that paid a little more than um, teaching at that point and also got me access into central London rather than um, staying in my hometown so I went into work at the Department for Education. Um, I had a couple of different jobs there. My first job was working on more of the operational side of things and um, the prevent policy, so around counter-extremism. Um, and then my second job at the Department for Education was a policy, a policy job focusing on GCSE and A-level reform, Um, Both of those jobs are very, very different. And I found that when I was working in the policy role, it was very much a traditional desk job. So I would come in, I would sit at my desk, I would think about things, I would have meetings. um, But ultimately, I found it generally quite dissatisfying after a while. And when lockdown hit and we had to work from home for all that time, I realized that I wanted to have a more practical job where I felt like I was making a difference in the environment that I was in rather than sitting behind the desk and thinking about making a difference. So I think that was the main reason that I wanted to go and do something different. And the other thing was that when we were all locked down and working from home, teaching was a job where you did get that human interaction where teachers Mm -hmm. were still going into schools at some point. And I thought if this pandemic is going to continue, I want to make sure I'm in a job where I do still interact with people on a daily basis. And I do feel like I'm making a difference because the world felt so crazy at that point that I just wanted to make sure I was doing the best in my life to uh, make a difference and do positive things in the world rather than sitting behind a desk um, and thinking about things, I
1: suppose that's interesting so uh, when you say you were thinking about things behind that desk at the dfe what kind of policies were you working on and did you actually see them having an impact
5: yes yeah, so the thing was that it's quite a slow job at the department for education so we were working on some really interesting policies um in particular we were working on um, a introducing a GCSE for British Sign Language, which is a really mm-hmm. worthy thing um, to do. But unfortunately, it just got quite derailed by the pandemic at that point. And it's quite a slow process anyway, because the Department for Education is a national body. Everything has to be done properly. And to do things properly, there's a lot of red tape and procedures and routines that take a long time. So it just felt like... You couldn't reach the end of any project for a significant amount of years. There's also a culture in the civil service, especially nowadays, of moving around jobs very quickly and you're expected to be promoted quite quickly. So a lot of people start on these projects and they never finish them because they move upwards or they move across to another policy or another area and I didn't want to be constantly moving around and starting things and not really finishing anything Uh, whereas with teaching you have to be in the classroom on a daily basis and there's no opportunity to move around in that same way Um, so it was that lack of completing things that I found very
1: dissatisfying um but that's, in, that, that's interesting you say that um because lots and lots of people would argue that those coming in for teach first would have an experience uh more akin to what you just described in the civil service so have you have you seen that do you feel that that there's that opportunity or do you feel that maybe that's more of a secondary school kind of I thing mean-
5: I have to be honest, I've not actually worked with anyone from Teach First um, and I think that might be because I've been based in the same primary school the whole time. It's um, a two-form entry so it's not particularly big, Um, so we don't have any Teach First um, people and I don't actually know anyone who is currently doing Teach First, although there were some people in my job and the civil service who had completed Teach First. And who had decided after Teach First to go into the Department for Education. I think definitely for them, it was less of a shock when they changed career, because I think there is an element of that civil service culture within Teach First. Mm. Um, I think that they are young, ambitious um, people, not necessarily young but there's a lot of ambition with Teach First, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of um, CPD that's very targeted. So I think it is more akin to the civil service. But again, I don't know anyone personally, so I can't really validate that.
1: Uh, it's interesting, again, I think there is a divide between primary and secondary, because certainly my training year was very much in the Teach First school um, over in Edmonton. Quite a tough school but very kind of fun and challenging to work in but it was definitely very kind of heavily teach first and the school I've currently gone to one or two teach first people not not really a thing um why did you choose not to do teach first <laughs>
5: um I wanted to go for a school direct um position because it was um salaried it seemed like the better route And also it only locked you in for a period of a year, whereas with Teach First, you're there for two years. Mm. Um, Obviously with the change in NQT, ECT, um, there is a longer period where you are training, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but with Teach First, you're locked into that contract. And for me, I wanted to make sure that if I did not enjoy teaching, there was an option to leave um, within that period Um, so yeah that's why I chose the route that I did and not to take the teach first option.
1: That's interesting so um, when you're at the DfE uh, you said you worked with some teachers who did do teach first and they uh, swapped to come back in or go into the civil service Uh, did they any of them warn you did any of them try and put you off going into teaching or were they encouraging or What was their kind of stance on it?
5: I have to say it was a mix. So there were a couple of um, teachers who'd gone through the teach first route. And I have to say that they were the ones who warned me more of it's very, very difficult. It's very, very stressful. Um, They warned of the workload and the um, huge responsibility you have over some things that you can't really control. Um, I also worked with a lot of teachers who had gone through the more traditional routes of the PGCE and just joining normal schools. They'd stayed in teaching for a longer period. The average was around ten years and they were a lot more positive about teaching. Um, They had good things to say about it, but they just wanted a change, or that's what they told me at least. So it was the teach-first people that seemed to have more of a negative perception of teaching, Um, and I'm not sure why that is. It might be that those individuals weren't necessarily as suited to teaching. It might be that in teach-first you tend to go to quite difficult schools at first, whereas if you do the PGCE route, you could go to a very difficult school or I don't want to say easy school, but maybe a school in a less tough area, for example. So I'm not sure why it was, um, but there was a lot of difference. And I would say it was the Teach First people that really had the most negative perceptions and gave the most warnings. um, Again,
1: yeah, I think um, my understanding of Teach First has always been that the workload is quite uh, heavy, the expectation they'll um, push you up into leadership quicker, but um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that will work in the same way now with the pandemic or with uh, less people actually leaving their jobs. I know certainly at my school, um, it's very difficult to get promoted quickly due to you know lots of it's a it's a really nice place to work. So therefore, lots of people don't want to move. Um, with your kind of experience in the DFE, has it made you kind of want to get promoted within teaching do you feel like you have a particular skill set that would be able to um you know help you be a, a leader in a school that you've actually kind of acquired through working in the civil service so that you know you've been in a more kind of adult environment and you feel like there's some things you could bring over there to a school or do you feel like it's not really helped at all and it's completely kind of disengaged with the world of teaching
5: um so I think it's interesting because um at this point in my career so I've completed my training year and I'm in my first year of ECT. Um at this point I'm very much focusing on survival and classroom management and all of those types of things. So I feel like I'm still very much learning the job and I've not really been able to bring any of those things That i've learned through my dfe career yet into teaching i feel that as i get more used to the classroom and more used to teaching and understanding that side of things that my experience at the department for education will be very useful i think it gives an insight into how the school system works in general i think it gives an insight into how government works how policy changes and how government expects that policy to change And I think it is a really interesting insight to have. But at the very start of my career, that side of things I wouldn't say has been helpful. Although the one thing that I think has been very helpful is that there was a level of professionalism in the civil Mm. service where you are adults working with other adults that is not necessarily always there in certain primary schools when the children are the centre of the school and the centre of everyone's day. Sometimes adults are so busy that they don't really remember how to kind of engage with each other in helpful ways. Um, So I think that side of things has been um, useful in terms of the way I respond to other members of staff and to parents and in terms of getting things done I think I've bought a professionalism that I've learned from the civil service and has helped me in my career so far. But in terms Mm. of policy, I think that will help more in the long term rather than in the short term where everything is learning how to juggle 100
1: things at once. And if I were to swap that round, if I were to say, if you were to go back into the DfE, what would you take from teaching into the DfE? Not that you're wanting to do that but is there anything that you would actually be like oh this could have been really useful in um my uh, civil service job
5: um i think there's a lot i think in terms of going back into the department for education the insight you get into how schools work and the actual realities of the classroom is just very valuable um and in terms of just Teaching and conveying ideas and communicating, I think there's a load of skills that you learn in teaching that can be applied to all sorts of things. I think any role, really, communication is key. And I think that is a really useful thing to bring back into an adult environment because I think people forget that you're learning every single day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're learning and you're teaching. And I think that skill is just invaluable wherever you are. So I think in terms of presentations, in terms of just conveying policy messages, anything like that, that is a really useful skill. And if there were any teachers that were looking to go into the civil service, I think that would be a skill that the civil service would find very, very beneficial.
1: Interesting, because, yeah, I think. I mean and ha you came across a lot of ex teachers in the DFE, didn't you? Yes. Yes. And and do they tend to just go to the DFE or do you would you say that there's some dotted around other departments? So for example, um Ministry of Justice or DEFRA, do you find that they or do you find they aim to go into the DFE?
5: Um, I have to say I've only worked in the Department for Education. So my experience has just been teachers in the Department for Education. I'm not sure whether there are, I'm sure there are some um, teachers dotted around elsewhere, but I think the idea is that um, teachers leave um, schools, but they don't want to leave education and they want to take that knowledge and experience that they've gained and utilise it in policy creation in education. So my experience has very much been that ex teachers seem to flock to the Department for Education. And I think it is a real advantage because they have a real understanding of education, of how education works, specifically as well with teacher training and teacher retention. Those are really important aspects of DFE policy and they have really good insight into those things. Um, mm. So I think it is a real advantage um, if you are coming into the Department for Education from a teaching background. I think it's looked upon in a very positive light.
1: So. Kind of moving on a bit now. So your first day at your new job in this primary school, um, where where are you teaching exactly? Not not the school name. We don't need to yeah. say that. But whereabouts?
5: Um, so I'm teaching in Hackney. Um OK.
1: So, obviously, very, very different to kind of Westminster. Yes. Um, your very first day, walking in through the door, what was the biggest kind of shock when you first met the kids that you kind of you were not prepared for from your previous job? What was the biggest kind of like, wow, this is completely mind-blowing?
5: I think in terms of there just being 30 of them, um, 30 <laughs> children in the room, um, And that they are children, so you do have a responsibility for them, because when you work in an adult environment, and you're speaking to that many adults, you're aware that you don't really have to manage their behaviour, they have to manage their behaviour, you have no... Um, need to protect their safety they're more than capable of doing that themselves you don't have to worry about whether they're getting on particularly because again that's their responsibility so I think seeing these young children in front of you and realizing that you do have a responsibility not just as a teacher but even just as an adult um, to them in that way was quite overwhelming Um, Mm. And obviously I was a student teacher, so there was a teacher there with me. But I think that dawns on you once you've come from a very adult environment that actually these are children that you're dealing with. And the responsibility you have over them is very, very different to the responsibility you ever have over other adults. Even if you manage those adults, it's nowhere near the same thing as managing
1: children. Yeah, absolutely. I think that tends to be something a lot of people struggle with. Uh, when they're changing careers because you never really expect the behaviour to be sometimes as bad as it is or, um, you know, the fact that you have to get on top of that very, very quickly, I think is probably very daunting for lots and lots of people going from a very kind of, you know, quiet perhaps environment into quite a loud, difficult, everything's coming at you from 30 kids at once. I imagine that change is very, you know, difficult for lots and lots of people my was slightly different I, I obviously I worked in a school previous to starting my academic career so I kind of had I, well as did you but I you know lots of people haven't um so I did have experience of like kids and difficult um behavior but you know there's lots and lots of people I work with who have joined from a completely different career and they said that's the biggest thing that shocked them was just that they had to manage manage behavior of other people um and it was behavior that was quite crazy at times.
5: Yeah I think as well at the start um, I I was quite sheltered in that obviously there was a teacher in the room and I remember thinking I think this is quite a common experience that people have when they first walk into a school especially a primary school where the children uh, are quite young still um, in that I was shocked at the way some of the teachers talk to the children Because I thought that kind of soft and gentle approach and reasoning would always work. And I think as you start having to have the class on your own and control the class, you realize okay, children really need consistency. They need rules, they need routines, they need boundaries, they need to know that everything in the classroom is predictable. And I think that it takes a long time to get your head around that and the idea that actually you are their teacher, you're not there to be their friend, you're not there to be their parent, Um, and I think when you first walk into that classroom, you're not necessarily aware of the differences between those roles, Um, so I think that was another shock that came slightly later.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, again, it's something lots of people struggle with. how did you kind of cope initially with kind of not necessarily insults but kind of rudeness from children um because i think again that's something that can shock a lot of new teachers who are moving professions again is having like direct rudeness towards them perhaps for the first time in their adult life or yeah uh, what well, at least in the way it, it presents itself
5: i i i think it's interesting i think um in terms of uh temper it's something i've never really had so when the children are rude to me i don't tend to react um in that manner uh i think remembering that they are children and that you are their teacher and sometimes you're not a completely real human being to them is quite helpful to remember sometimes when they lash out at you they are just lashing out at a teacher Um, at an authority figure and something is going on which is causing them to lash out I think I don't ever really take it personally Um, I think maybe as well because I'm in a primary school where they are still quite little children even when they're uh, my first year was in year four so they're eight years old Um, I think it's quite hard to be offended by an 8 year old um i think you have that perspective of this is not someone that i am ever going to be friends with i don't need to listen to their opinion of me if there's no constructive criticism in it if the rudeness is coming from my own actions in the classroom or my own mismanagement of a behavior of course i will listen to that but in terms of actual insults or rudeness no i think it's just keeping that boundary of this is not personal and I'm the adult in the room, this is a child, I need to make sure that I diffuse this situation in a calm manner and make sure that child is getting what they need. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think for me that wasn't something I struggled with particularly. Um, It's more kind of disruption in the classroom that I find difficult because it's
1: preventing you doing your job. Mm-hmm. I think um, I was just going through, so Teachers Talk Radio on Twitter, they um, tweeted yesterday, if you changed career to become a teacher, how did you find the switch? And there's a, quite a few actually, um, uh, not not civil service, but lots of police officers uh, and soldiers from the army. And one said actually when, the, um, when they joined from the army, I'm just trying to find the tweet, she said something about the fact that you've got to have that calm kind of coolness that kind of adult approach and not being kind of offended by what you see or hear is actually the biggest thing that she took and I think um I think it I think it must be a real kind of asset to again come from an adult environment where for you know um for lots of people if someone's directly rude to them it would be kind of well obviously it would be offensive but when you have a child in front of you being directly rude to you you're "Mm, You have that perspective well they're not an adult and i can see the differences so i think that's super important i'm going to ask you to stay on the line just for a minute um i'm going to just play the news and adverts if that's okay no problem
0: this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news
2: In an article published on the Universities UK website it has been highlighted that most teaching, learning, student support and extracurricular activities are now being held in person on many campuses. The article challenges the narrative about the student experience being primarily online and makes it clear that this is not something that University UK recognises. Universities UK state that for most students it will be a student experience much more like what universities were offering pre-pandemic. The article goes on to acknowledge that some elements of teaching and learning are still being delivered online but that there is no one size fits all and that the online offer will differ from university to university. Half a million more disadvantaged children are to receive new laptops and tablets to provide access to education and support. The government has announced a £126 million funding boost to the Get Help with Technology programme. The funding boost will provide up to 10,000 new laptops and tablets to all children with a social worker and those leaving care, and children who have recently arrived from Afghanistan. The scheme will also provide additional devices to schools and colleges to support pupils who are not in lessons due to COVID-19. The Education Secretary, Nadim Zahawi, said... A hundred and twenty-six million pounds investment for those children who need them most will complement learning in schools and help drive our work to level up long-term outcomes for those in care or leaving care. In the Channel Islands, ITV News is reporting that school pupils and staff in Jersey are being urged to keep testing themselves for coronavirus during the October half term. In a letter to Schools and Parents' Deputy Medical Officer of Health, Dr Ivan Muscat says it is essential for islanders to remain vigilant following an increase in transmission rates across the British Isles. Dr Muscat says that twice-weekly lateral flow testing and reporting of positive cases is even more vital during the holidays, as people are more likely to be travelling abroad and mixing with friends and family. More than 6,500 students and school staff have signed up to the testing scheme so far. This has been your Teacher's Talk Radio Weekend News.
0: Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics. Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the MALCPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com.
1: Excellent. Good stuff. Uh, We're getting good responses on the chat. Um, Excellent. We've had hello from India from Rahul. So we've got an international audience. So hello, Rahul. That's exciting. Um, Maybe you can encourage more people internationally to not just uh, move their Careers to actually move their countries to come into teaching. Maybe it could be an inspirational kind of source there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so um, I've as I was as the adverts okay, I was just thinking of a couple of things. So obviously at the DFE, um, I imagine they encourage you to actually kind of engage with the front line of teaching at some points, not necessarily a lot. But um, did you actually kind of visit any schools during your time at the DFE? And you know how did the teachers treat you were you come some were you some kind of like someone they cover like oh they don't know what they're talking about we're the ones here or were they like really trying to make you feel welcome and kind of you know but how was it did you get to go to any schools or how was the experience yes
5: yeah, so um the good thing about working at the department for education is you get to go to lots of places so um for my policy job we actually got to go to um an exam factory like literally a factory where they Um, store the papers and those sorts of things and we also got to go to um, Cambridge assessment where they write the papers so we got to see all of those sides of things Um, and we also got to go and see schools and it was highly encouraged that every half term I think it was every half term or maybe every term that everybody in the department for education would go (coughs) and visit a school Um, so I think that was a really good initiative and a really good idea. Unfortunately, it was something that you did off your own back. Um, and I was lucky because I knew people that worked in schools, So it was very easy for me to get into schools. Um, I found that there were different reactions, um, in different schools. Mostly I would say that I was treated very, very politely, um, I think when you're told that you have a visitor from the Department for Education, you assume that they are there to watch your teaching, which is not what I was there to do whatsoever. It was just to have the experience of being in the school. Um, So I found that lots of people kind of bent over backwards um, for our visit, which is a good thing in some respects, but on other respects, I think that maybe we um, caused a little bit of stress from being there. Um, so I think we, the Department for Education really needs to think about how they um, organise that programme. On and In another school, I wasn't treated with the same kind of respect. And that was when I was very clear about the reason that I was visiting that school um, and the policy. And though everybody was very polite to me, Um, I did receive challenge about that policy, which I think is a really good thing. And I would encourage teachers to do that um, because actually the Department for Education can be a very slow moving organization. And it does tend to respond to public challenge, whether that be individuals in school you visit, whether that be people writing in um, and whether that be news coverage. So it is one of the best ways to get your points heard. Um, But mostly I would say you get treated with uh, a real level of respect and everybody is trying to um, please you and make you feel welcome and impress you, um, which is a really interesting uh, way of being in a school because when you work in a school, as I'm sure you all know it, you get treated quite differently. So um, yeah, Yeah. it's it's an interesting
1: experience. And kind of, why do you think, um, so obviously you 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 said that you had access to schools because of new people who worked in schools, etc., cetera, et cetera. But why do you think it was difficult for lots of people at the DFE to get in? Would it partly be because they didn't have the same access to the schools in terms of knowing people, or do you think there was any kind of lack of motivation to actually go see schools across the DFE, or do you think it was just it was a bit more like, oh, I will, but I've got a lot of work to do. What What do you think is going on there?
5: Um, I think there are two main things. One of them, I think, is um, you do obviously have a job to do and it can be um, a very high workload. Um, you can feel that you don't have time to go and visit schools because you take time off to actually get to the school, to be around the school, to come back from the school. It takes a huge chunk of your day, potentially the whole day, and when you're dealing with quite tight deadlines and um, projects you are not necessarily going to feel that you have that time to spare at a school visit and i think the other thing is actually civil servants can feel quite reluctant to reach out to schools because they don't really know how to explain what they want from schools i think sometimes when school's hear someone from the Department for Education wants to come round, it can spark a reaction of fear in them. Well, why do these people want to come? What do they want to see? What do we need to do? Um, It's not quite an offset level of fear, but I think people still hold that fear for the Department for Education as well. So I know some people did reach out to schools and the schools were reluctant to let them in. They didn't want any more visitors. Um, which I can completely understand from a school's perspective. Um, I know, particularly at my school at the moment, we have lots and lots of visitors coming in um, constantly to um, see lessons, to observe, to do different things. And it can be quite disruptive to the teachers and to the children as well. Um, so I think it was more of a lack of communication between the Department for Education and schools. I think if the Department for Education were publicizing that policy of getting their civil servants out to schools um, and schools had more of an understanding of what the purpose of those visits were i think they would be much more willing to um host a department for education people in their schools and that that would potentially build those relationships because once someone's visited your school you have that link into the Department for Education, even if it's just at a lower level, that person can actually be helpful. So it can be beneficial to the school as well as to the um, civil servant as well.
1: Um, so then, well, then do you think teachers could actually have an active foreign policy at the DFC? Do you think uh, there could be a, a relationship that could be built in that uh, teachers could actually you know so in a perfect world in my head you'd have the dfe you'd have every single person at the dfe would have to as part of their contract at least visit a school um once a year um and you would also have teachers in maybe senior positions or even middle management who actually have to connect to the dfe in some way actually come in have (coughs) meetings with maybe the head of whatever hubs going on or the kind of behavior so whoever and kind of ensuring that that link with the frontline is still there and i would say the same about department for health you know with doctors hospitals but i can't comment on that so do you think that there could be an opportunity a worthwhile opportunity with teachers actually engaging the dfe in these ways
5: yes um i think there could be and i think actually there is and the dfe um really do try and do focus groups with teachers um I think I think they could do more, definitely. Um, I think there could be a wider range of teachers. I think DFE tries to um, keep up with teachers in terms of they have a lot of work with hub schools. Um, mm-hmm. But I think sometimes the DFE's focus is fairly narrow. Um, I think it is those particular schools that they feel are very good schools that they want to work with, or these particular Particular teachers that they know they've worked with before they know they can get into the the building to come to meetings at certain times, so I think there's a reliance maybe sometimes on the same people or the same head teachers or the same advisors coming back and forth um and I think it would really be a good thing to diversify um that because I think especially when you're working with hub schools that you've identified as very good schools and very good training schools. You're actually missing a lot of schools that are potentially um, in quite tough areas or are failing. Um, and actually, it's really important to engage teachers and people that work in those environments as well to see actually what's going wrong. How can we help? Um, what are the issues that you're facing? Are they the same as the issues that teachers in other schools are facing? If so, how do they solve them in these schools that seem to be working could we implement any of those strategies in these schools that don't seem to be working? Um, so I think getting a broader spectrum of teachers and schools involved would be really good. But just in terms of sticking up for the Department for Education, as I used to work there, they definitely do do some outreach with teachers. Um, I just think they don't necessarily do it in the diverse enough way.
1: That's interesting, because I, I imagine there's plenty and plenty of schools out there. Um, obviously, I I started my career working in one school, um, kind of doing all the school trips. Uh, my my title was enrichment assistant. But I won't go into too much detail because that could easily, I suppose, reveal where I worked. But they were so popular with the DFE, they were mentioned a lot. We had lots of people actually coming from the DFE coming to the school. Um, we had you know senior politicians coming to the school actually, and really being like, "Wow, this is great!" I so it was interesting because it was um, it was a new school at the time. It was doing all these kind of radical things surrounding knowledge curriculum, um, and then they completely neglected the school down the road that was, you know, quite established. Uh, it was getting very, very good results. We hadn't at that time had any results out yet. So it was. I did find even then I was like, okay, there needs to be diversification here. However, you know, I suppose it's always a some political kind of idea. Um, so we've got about ten minutes left of our chat. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few things now in terms of what would your advice be to anyone who actually is considering leaving uh, perhaps a job in a different career, be it civil service, be it whatever. And actually, what would your advice be in terms of picking your school, picking your teacher trainer provider and how actually kind of how to cope in those first few weeks
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to promote the Department for Education once more, um, they Mm -hmm. do offer a really good service um, where if you're thinking of going into teaching, you can actually get free appointments um, with someone who will advise you on what the best route is for you to go down and also who will read your personal statement for you, who will edit it with you, and it's a completely free service. It's just someone that will help you choose what's best for you Um, and they offer some really good advice Um, in addition to that I think you need to know exactly what you want um, in terms of the route because there are actually so many different routes um, that it can be very very confusing obviously there is the traditional PGCE route Um, there are school direct routes, there are salaried routes, there are non-salaried routes, there are PGCEs you can get bursaries for, there are PGCEs that you can't, so make sure you're researching exactly what you want and what you can get and what you need because if you decide to do a PGCE, you have to remember that you, you lose a year's worth of earnings plus you pay for that PGCE Um, So it's an expensive process of changing that career. If you want to go that route, Um, you can actually go to school direct routes that are salaried. Some of them will offer you QTS. So you'll be qualified to teach, but without a PGCE, which is the route that I went down. Some of them will offer you a PGCE (coughs) and also QTS and you get paid. So there are lots and lots of different routes that you can go down. Um, In terms of picking your school, I think you need to think about what you want. Um, Different areas or different schools can be very, very different. Um, I think you don't necessarily know what you're walking into um, until you walk into it. So you can't necessarily cherry pick the right school for you. Um, But definitely in terms of do you want to work in a religious school? Do you want to work in a grammar school? Do you want to work in a single sex school? Those are things you really need to think about um, because they will, one of them will suit you more than other schools will. Um, And I think just being prepared that people don't say teaching is a hard job for no reason. It is a very difficult job. The workload is difficult. The conditions are not, as good as some other jobs. For example, the civil service has flexi time. Um, You receive really good pay. Um, It's quite a safe environment with lots of activities on offer. Um, I think teaching doesn't necessarily always have the same perks. So just be aware that there will be differences, but also it is a very rewarding career. And there are also lots of other careers that are extremely difficult, are extremely stressful. Um, so I wouldn't want to paint it as teaching is the hardest job in the world. I I don't believe that it is. Obviously, some people will disagree with me. But if you really have a passion for educating people, you have a passion for working with children or teenagers, and you want to make a difference and you want to kind of understand what's happening in the world of education I would really strongly recommend it but just research make sure you know what you want from your first years of training make sure you know what type of school you want and then just use the DFE service to help you get into the right school for you as well would be my advice.
1: Yeah that DFE service I actually recommended it to Sonia the other day who's thinking about becoming a primary school teacher um, and he he said it was super helpful, so that's really good of the DFE to actually put that into place. Um, and what you said about it being kind of a stable kind of environment with good pay and activities on offer. What kind of activities does the civil service offer in terms of, like, uh, you know, leisure and so whatever?
5: There, I mean, there's lots there. There's, like, gyms on site. Um, there's, I know, different departments offer different benefits. I know uh, the home... Sorry, the... Um, Gosh, my mind has just gone blank. Uh, <laughs> the Home Office, that's what I was trying to say. The Home Office offers um, subsidised haircuts. There's all sorts of very random benefits. And there's also people that are always offering classes. So I went to a really good um, drawing class after work, completely free um, at another department. There's just always something going on. Um, and there's always things that you can get involved with it's a huge huge employer there's lots of different types of people there and lots of different things that people will put on for other people so um as well as the drawing class i'm i didn't do any other classes but i think you know there's yoga there's exercise classes zumba there are different types of things you can get involved with and it's purely because it is such a large employer there are so many people Um, that you have those options and obviously if you're moving from a big employer like that to a school there's so there's a lot there's fewer people in your school environment and those activities and those clubs will be focused on the children because when you're working in an adult environment where the adults are the center of the world you're going to have better benefits as an adult than when you're working in the school where the center of your workplace is always going to be children quite rightly um so i think just being
1: aware of those things is really important that's um you know what my current school is really really good at this we have an offer um it's all starting up again mindfulness uh zumba We've got kind of access free to like Nuffield, Nuffield Health over the holidays. Um, what else do we have? We have quite a lot. So I actually feel um, that it's interesting talking to you as a primary school teacher because again, and I'm not saying all secondary schools are like this. My training school didn't do this. And I thought I think rightly they had to focus everything they have on the, on the kids because of the kind of extreme context it's in. But um, I think secondary schools and primary schools are so different and kind of what you get on offer actually is very very varied so again I think that's a big thing really actually um and actually that's my final final question for you actually why did you choose primary not secondary what what kind of made you make that decision
5: um I think for me um I enjoyed primary school more as a child than I enjoyed secondary school um I think as well I I think everyone has a preference for age groups. Um, I know my mum's a teacher, she really loves working in early years. Um, I think for me, the age that I really like working in is kind of key stage two. Um, I think I like the idea that you have your class all day, that you form that relationship with them over the year, and you get to see your children grow and develop in all aspects of their learning and also just as people. Um, so I think those kinds of things attracted me more to primary school than secondary school. Um, and also, yeah, I think your own school experience is, is such a big factor in where
1: you decide you want to teach. Mm, that's the, Yeah, that's very, very true, actually. Very, very true, your own experience with school. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us, Fern. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it.
5: Yes, it's been I hope,
1: for having me. I think you're. I hope you're very excited that again we've had uh, Rahul from India and quite a few people joining us also from Ghana. So all across the world, they've really kind of enjoyed that. Fact, so thank you. Um, as, as I said, maybe you'll be an inspiration for more people to come and teach in England, maybe. But yeah, thank you so much. Brilliant. All right, thank you for having me. All right. Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye. Excellent. So I hope you enjoy that kind of conversation there. Um, And again, I was looking through Twitter, as I was talking to Fern, and there's been some really, really interesting kind of responses about why uh, lots of people have actually joined teaching. Uh, One of them, but I just I just saw it It made me smile a lot is a there's a bin man, I'm just going to find it. There's a bin man who joined teaching because one day he was emptying the bins into the truck. And an article came out about out of someone's bin about joining teaching and that's what did it for him. So I thought, wow, that's quite it's quite a nice um kind of way of joining the profession in a in a funny way. It's quite it's quite sweet. The idea that you're entering someone's bin, article falls out, you're like, yeah, why not? Um, and again, as I said during the show, lots and lots of ex-soldiers, lots of joining from the army and the police. So maybe there's a link there about why people actually keep moving to these kind of, you know, Professions of duty around them. what's the link there? Why is it so um, important? And again, I was listening to Adele this morning, an interview she was doing, and she said, had she not been a singer, she would have been an English teacher at a secondary school. So again, maybe if we can convince her to come into the profession, uh, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Um, I'm just going to skip to the news and adverts again. Um, Again, thank you for joining today. Um, And if you're listening to this back as a podcast, thank you for listening. I hope you've taken something um, from the conversation with Fern, especially if you're a civil servant or anyone else in any other profession, be it in the private sector in the public sector who's considering coming into teaching at any point i hope it's helped i hope it's giving you a bit of advice or maybe a bit of drive to do it maybe it's not helped at all maybe you're like actually no 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 not interested anymore so if i would really like to hear your feedback even on twitter so you can at landfowden uh, we can have that chat on twitter um but that would be really interesting so i'm just going to skip to this weekend's news and the adverts.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
2: In an article published on the University's UK website, it has been highlighted that most teaching, learning, student support and extracurricular activities are now being held in person on many campuses. The article challenges the narrative about the student experience being primarily online and makes it clear that this is not something that University UK recognises. Universities UK state that for most students, it will be a student experience much more like what universities were offering pre-pandemic. The article goes on to acknowledge that some elements of teaching and learning are still being delivered online, but that there is no one size fits all and that the online offer will differ from university to university. Half a million more disadvantaged children are to receive new laptops and tablets to provide access to education and support. The government has announced a £126 million pound funding boost to the Get Help With Technology programme. The funding boost will provide up to 10,000 new laptops and tablets to all children with a social worker and those leaving care and children who have recently arrived from Afghanistan. The scheme will also provide additional devices to schools and colleges to support pupils who are not in lessons due to COVID-19. The education secretary Nadim Zahawi said, "A £126 million pounds investment for those children who need the most will complement learning in schools and help drive our work to level up long-term outcomes for those in care or leaving care." In the Channel Islands, ITV News is reporting that school pupils and staff in Jersey are being urged to keep testing themselves for coronavirus during the October half-term. In a letter to Schools and Parents, Deputy Medical Officer of Health, Dr Ivan Muscat, says it is essential for islanders to remain vigilant following an increase in transmission rates across the British Isles. Dr. Muscat says that twice weekly lateral flow testing and reporting of positive cases is even more vital during the holidays as people are more likely to be travelling abroad and mixing with friends and family. More than 6,500 students and school staff have signed up to the testing scheme so far. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News.
0: Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Inc. Phonics, Floppy's Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses all MAL CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Oh, excellent. Hopefully, my mic's
4: working. Excellent. Good stuff.
1: So, um, again, thank you for joining uh, me, Fern, listening to uh, talk. So, talking about her experience leaving the civil service and actually kind of thinking about getting into teaching if you have had a similar experience and want to share it please get in touch send me a message contact me on twitter i mean it's super super important to keep having these discussions and i think the most important thing that i've been thinking about as i've had this uh, had this discussion with burn and with others uh, out, uh, external to this show has been how can we actually ensure there is a link
4: between uh, those who are making policy and teachers on the front line.
1: Of course, Fenn says there is a link in the DFE, but has anyone seen evidence in their school of that, that link before? I certainly have in one or two schools. My current school, uh, not so much, but I am new, so Perhaps I am yet to see it. Um, have you ever had a civil servant actually come and observe you for the sake of their job? So have you been in your lesson and you've been told someone in the DFE will be coming today, please, can you, you know, whatever? Um, how has that impacted your own teaching and learning your own kind of understanding of your job have you actually had any experience of speaking to people from the DfE and actually explaining what you do why it's relevant to them and actually having you know an impact on policy Um, a really interesting experience I've had as a child actually so um, my secondary school experience was incredibly colourful I was um, excluded a fair few times from school i had a state with special educational needs uh, as a very kind of complex case if you will and
4: um on um, kind of i had a professor actually take
1: interest uh, and i was kind of used as part of a case study um my experience for school was part of that and afterwards he contacted my mum and said that
4: um she could as a, as a kind of mum who's been through the process of trying to keep her child in school with a statement she could actually contribute
1: to an upcoming i think it's white paper green paper um regarding special educational needs and therefore there was a connection a person direct connection to the DFE at that point so that was interesting um are those things still happening i'm unsure i'm not i don't know uh, maybe there's an educational psychologist that can tell me a bit more about that but I think it's really super important actually to have this idea that yes we can speak to those behind the scenes doing the kind of legwork behind policy um, as teachers because I think it's super, super important that both have an understanding of what's going on and I'd say
4: uh, the same as i said to Fern. fair in my perfect world those
1: working in government, every single department would have to engage with the profession they are working kind of behind and for on both sides. Teachers would have to engage with the DFE. DFE would have to engage teachers. Uh, the issue of justice would have to engage, I don't know, I suppose, with police, prison wardens, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera, uh, And they would have to do the same. I think it's super, super important. Maybe some departments are better. Maybe some departments are not so good at that sure, but if you do know please get in touch because i think it's a super important um conversation because the public sector is incredibly as we know twined and um maybe the private sector is better at this kind of stuff i'm not sure um again and as i was saying earlier i was going through the uh tweets that have been coming through regarding changing careers and going into teaching as i said sam Barry at mr sam Barry on twitter i found a high school in the bin when i was a bin man that is what got me started again that is my favorite one so far um as i said it's quite sweet in a way that you know um it's quite a romantic idea almost you're doing this job an article falls out of the bin and it's kind of like wow i could do this excellent i think that's wonderful i really like that one um there's a couple more so clive hill big name, um, edgy twitter uh he was saying that uh his son actually
4: uh said uh, he wished he had more teachers like him so first off his uh you know he was in the army uh, i
1: remember talking uh going to one of his talks he said he was out in bosnia for, um for the army and his friend lost his fight with ptsd then he quit his job after his son said that he wished he had teachers like him needed access course to higher education, did his degree, that they needed to teach first. And he says at the end of his two, he teaching just after my 40th.
4: I love it. However, the issue he has found has been the biggest for him has been that
1: leaders in schools have had no idea what he's done outside of schools. That's been his greatest battle. Now, I imagine for lots and lots of teachers, again, moving professions is
4: difficult because you are probably on the whole coming up against leaders who have been in teaching from day one Twenty one, one uni pgc teachers schools direct whatever and lots of leaders kind of have a quite narrow perhaps understanding of schooling and the colleagues they
1: employ um not understanding actually there is a school set out there that they could definitely use within that school that they haven't necessarily untapped and there's also lots and lots of issues um surrounding I mean, perhaps um talking down to people saying oh you know this is how you teach this is what you do uh, uh, this is how we think about education but someone coming in from somewhere with, with a skill set that can definitely contribute maybe thinking "Right, one minute
4: okay you don't need to tell me how to count three two one every two minutes i actually do understand um lots of other things that i could easily bring for my profession so i think that is definitely something to think about A couple of other ones I saw in here. So um, we have, let me just get it up. We've got um, Top Cat Teacher. So an
1: interesting tweet here, uh, quite a personal one. A long journey into teaching, survived internal bleeding. My fiance dumped me for an accountant and a 10 year battle against the debt left by my ex. It was meant to be, though, because I'm a teacher now. So again, lots of um, going through quite painful situations and actually. Finding that way into teaching, perhaps it kind of offers a respite uh, from, you know, from life and, you know, you get to really engage your children and actually change their lives. Maybe that's what's, well, of course, I think that's where every teacher goes, that you actually have that kind of motivation, ambition to do that. But actually getting the chance to do that can really kind of open a whole new door in your personal life as well. Uh, we've got um, someone who did 18 years in industrial chemical sales after 10 years in teaching, I was ready to get out due to antiquated teaching and marking policies. And, uh, t- uh, sorry, I struggle to say that word. Six years later, I'm still here though because we've got a remarkable, rebar- remarkable new head teacher We've got seven simple mantras in teaching and a no marking policy. So again, what is actually keeping people when they leave their
4: previous job coming to teaching and then they think, oh, no, 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 no. Something's wrong here, but actually, it can just be one new head teacher that does change their kind of opinion on it.
1: Um, I'll just go through a couple more because there's, there's so, so many interesting ones here. I uh, started working, so, science TA tutor. I started working in a school as a TA aged about 28, and I think the psycho babble has had a positive impact on me. Griff Mindset, in particular, I can't do it yet. The way they support students has benefited me
4: too. Okay, so again, uh, coming as a TA and then going into teaching, well, there must be such an interesting perspective there as well. as so she was saying that she
1: was a TA before she went into civil service and then into teaching. I'm sure that actually has a big impact on how confident you may feel and how kind of you can see that kind of idea of both minds are actually in play in many, many schools and in your uh, job
4: as a TA as well. And I'll just go for one more. Um, Mary Adams starts as an actuary Left to spend time with my kids. Returned as a teacher, age forty-four, found it exhausting but utterly brilliant. And that is probably the best thing you can describe teaching. For most, is exhausting but utterly brilliant. It is a really good profession. So, if you are interested in joining teaching, I say this to my friends: Do join teaching. It is really, really fun. That's all it is for me. Really, it is really fun. I love it. It's good fun. And if you're uh, bored of your job just come and be a teacher it is genuinely fun okay so i'm just going to give us another kind of round of news and adverts uh again i'd like
1: to say thank you for joining um thank you for engaging on twitter it's been really really interesting and again thank you for being a, a guest today it's really really interesting to actually talk to people who've worked in previous careers especially something like the dfe which for many teachers feels very kind of distant and kind of out of reach of understanding what we go through. So I think that's super important. So again, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to go to another round of news and adverts and then we'll um, start kind of winding down from there.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this (laughs) is Teachers Talk Radio News.
2: In an article published on the Universities UK website, it has been highlighted that most teaching, learning, student support and extracurricular activities are now being held in person on many campuses. The article challenges the narrative about the student experience being primarily online and makes it clear that this is not something that University UK recognises. Universities UK state that for most students, it will be a student experience much more like what universities were offering pre-pandemic. The article goes on to acknowledge that some elements of teaching and learning are still being delivered online, but that there is no one-size-fits-all, and that the online offer will differ from university to university. Half a million more disadvantaged children are to receive new laptops and tablets to provide access to education and support. The government has announced a £126 million funding boost to the Get Help With Technology programme. The funding boost will provide up to 10,000 new laptops and tablets to all children with a social worker and those leaving care, and children who have recently arrived from Afghanistan. The scheme will also provide additional devices to schools and colleges to support pupils who are not in lessons due to COVID-19. The Education Secretary, Nadim Zahawi, said, a hundred and twenty six million pounds investment for those children who need the most will complement learning in schools and help drive our work to level up long term outcomes for those in care or leaving care. In the Channel Islands ITV News is reporting that school pupils and staff in Jersey are being urged to keep testing themselves for coronavirus during the October half term. In a letter to Schools and Parents, Deputy Medical Officer of Health, Dr Ivan Muscat says it is essential for Islanders to remain vigilant following an increase in transmission rates across the British Isles. Dr Muscat says that twice weekly lateral flow testing and reporting of positive cases is even more vital during the holidays as people are more likely to be travelling abroad and mixing with friends and family. More than 6,500 students and school staff have signed up to the testing scheme so far. This has been your Teacher's Talk Radio Weekend News.
0: Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All MalCPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Excellent.
1: Okay. Again, thank you so much for listening today, guys. Um, It's been really, really interesting talking to you. I won't be on on air next uh, weekend. I'm actually spending half term a lot of half term away in Germany. Fingers crossed for the whole COVID restriction. I've got everything sorted as far as I understand it. Um, and fingers crossed, that I don't need to isolate at all after coming back. So I want to be back in school. I don't like actually being away uh, from school too much. Uh, partly, again, as I said, I find it really quite fun to be in school. And sometimes I actually feel like I'm missing out if I'm not there, which is probably a ludicrous thing to say uh, and for lots and lots of experienced teachers to hear. Um but i have not jaded yet. So that's
4: that is full. Cool. That's good stuff. Um, excellent.
1: Um, again, thank you again for coming um, on to listen. Any kind of engagement, please send me a message on uh, Twitter. It's been really, really good to see all your guys' kind of interests and ideas surrounding wave new careers and um following the thread that's been happening on twitter so i'll be back in a couple of weeks time i hope to get a couple of guests on for uh, uh more discussions if you are interested in being a guest on my show please get in touch i'm always interested in talking um anything about pedagogy um safeguarding big big interest of mine how it changes between context of schools how we understand it how training is kind of administered um, also just about being an ect phone uh, who spoke today is an ECT so it's really interesting so, to see that focus here and see that perspective um, and if you're an ECT I think it'll be an excellent uh, opportunity to come on, and have a chat or maybe you actually train an ECT
4: good, again, good opportunity have a chat, let's talk it out and have a conversation
1: about how schools are today. Again, thank you for joining have a really good half term to those teachers out there if you not a teacher have a really good weekend and I, uh,
4: I hope